everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Off the Bench, and today is Friday, December 10th. Today, I'm going to skip over, because we didn't do it last week, your questions, and we're going to answer some questions today and talk a little bit about the blessing of the Christmas season. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys, we are slowly but surely working our way through the month of December. And for all of your questions that are coming about Advent, I'm so excited that you guys are studying it with us over at Mom Strong International. And I wanted to let you know, it's a great idea for a Christmas gift. If you want to give the gift that's going to keep on giving, give the gift of a Mom Strong membership to somebody that you know, and see if they will study the Word of God with you throughout the year. So every uh, month we do something a little bit different. And in fact, we're switching it up a little bit for 2022 And uh, I cannot wait to share it with you. Once we get it all packaged and put together, we'll let you know what we're doing. But we're very excited, making some changes, some great, great things are coming to MomStrong International. And it's a really great time for you to participate in helping us with the ministry and buying a gift for somebody who you'd love to see uh, walking with the Lord in a closer relationship this year. So that's MomStrongInternational.com. There's a pretty cool little Christmas devotional that I found online. Uh, Dallas Theological Seminary puts them out, and I love the one that they did for Christmas last year. And I found this, and I thought you guys might be encouraged. It's it's called, It Might Be the Best of Times or the Worst of Times, but God is with us. Matthew 1, 23, Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, that is who Jesus is. The creator fully participating in his creation. As Eugene Peterson put it, this Jesus, quote, moved into the neighborhood. I love that thought. But it's more than just God coming near and closing a geographical gap. Even as far back as is recorded in Exodus 3, 6, Moses learned that God desires to be known as the God of the people. With God, it's always been way more personal, a whole lot more relational than we might have ever first anticipated. He has always been a with us kind of God. Isaiah recorded something specific about this with us characteristic of God in Isaiah chapter seven. Isaiah seems to suggest that God makes his with us quality particularly well known by his people during times of trial and hardship, and even more specifically, while his people are experiencing the consequences of the judgment that their own sin and failures brought upon them. Yep, that's right. While God is disciplining them, he is close to them. He is with them. And like the most amazing father, he truly disciplines those he loves. It's during these worst of times, hardships, that it is good to belong to the very present with us God who generously provides his comfort. Isaiah's conception of Emmanuel didn't end there. There is a second understanding of this expression. This with us quality of God is an indicator of a hopeful and certain future. God's characteristic of wanting to be with us actually ensures our victory and survival through difficult times because God's enduring presence and faithfulness to his people is the best and only guarantee of a hope and a future. 
This promise of a life to be lived in complete and unhindered oneness with Jesus will indeed be the culmination of these best of times. It is during these best of times that it is also good to belong to the very present God with us who generously provides his joy. So this season, as we are celebrating the first advent of Jesus, we are demonstrating that we indeed belong to God who is with us. And so this Christmas, I want to encourage you to be comforted and joy-filled because of our certain, secured, future hope in Jesus. In the best of times and the worst of times, let's pray that we can experience afresh the tidings of our Emmanuel, his comfort and his joy this Christmas. It's interesting to me to note, you know, I'm I'm a connoisseur of all things Christmas books. I love stories, storybooks to read. I was reading a book to Sailor the other day. We were sitting on the closet in my bedroom and she just had a birthday. And that little girl, boy, she's grown up so fast. She was sitting on the floor in the closet with me, just um, wide-eyed as I read a little hardback book that I purchased at a local used bookstore. By the way, if you guys are anywhere near Battleground, Washington, or in the Vancouver area, you should check it out. Literary Leftovers on Main Street. That was my uh, that was my no-holds-barred plug for them. I love a used bookstore a whole lot better than the library right now, I can tell you that. And I found some great books. And I was reading this book to Sailor about a gentleman, uh, an older couple who had advanced in years and they lived out in, you know, way out in the forest and it very much looked like a Laura Ingalls Wilder kind of a home. Uh, and it was covered in snow. And it started with the old man and his wife walking through the snow year after year. And they would go and they would cut down a Christmas tree and then they would bring it and her husband would set it up and she would make hot chocolate and they would enjoy Christmas together. Well, that year, his wife passed away. And the story went on to say that he was having a hard time finding any joy. And so he decided that the first Christmas of the year after his wife's death, he wasn't going to put up a Christmas tree because he didn't have anything to celebrate, nothing to be uh, joyful about, nothing to look forward to for tomorrow. Well, while he was sitting on his couch, looking sad and, and discouraged, there was a mare outside of his uh, outside of his house in the rain and she had fallen and he heard a noise outside of his door. So he grabs a lantern. I'm sorry, it wasn't raining, it was snowing. He grabs a lantern, he goes out there and he sees this this mare and he puts a scarf around her neck and leads her into the barn and puts a blanket over her and gets her some carrots to eat and he falls asleep next to her. Well, he wakes up in the morning and she has given birth overnight and this beautiful black uh this beautiful black foal with a star on its forehead reminded him that for the first time in a long time, he felt hope because he had an opportunity to see new life be, uh, be brought into the world. And we always have something to be thankful for. And a sailor who's always been very, I don't know what the right word is, but she's very intuitive. And she looked at me and she said, mom, that's a lot like us right now, isn't it? And I said, you know, what do you mean? And she said, well, we are looking for hope too. Only our hope isn't in a little horse, although that's fun and wonderful. Our hope is Jesus. And I was so thankful because it's such an easy concept, right? And we can all, well, we know that. And, and, and it can become sort of passe and sort of boring, but not to sailor, not right then. She was just like, mom, that's what we need to continue to remember. So I want to continue to just encourage you guys to enjoy this season with your families. Uh, I'm home now. I'm done traveling for a little while and uh, we're getting into 
uh, the Christmas spirit at our house and just enjoying being together. And I know, I know that God is going to do some precious things in you guys this season as you lean into him. So for those of you who are studying Advent with me over at MomStrong International, I hope that that's blessing you. I hope that uh, all of our stories and family traditions and recipes and all the things that we've compiled, uh, it's not too late for those of you who are would love that. It's a little bit of a glimpse into the St. John family Christmas and also an opportunity for you to really lean into the miracle that is Christmas. All right. I want to take a couple of moments today and answer some questions for you. Heidi, do you believe, this is from a listener in Kansas, do you believe it's okay for a homeschool co-op to set a dress code for the group? Nothing too, stri- nothing too strict, but if a secular public school sets guidelines, then should a Christian homeschool co-op have, the, have the more right to do so? Okay. So I've answered this question before on the podcast, and I guess I would, I would encourage you uh, I don't know that you need a, a like a strict dress code, like everybody has to wear the same thing. But here at the Homeschool Resource Center, we absolutely have a dress code because we believe it honors God when we dress in a way that is uh, pleasing to him. Uh, and so we have a dress code. Every single family that comes to the Homeschool Resource Center does an uh, an interview so that we can kind of meet the family and we go over the expectations here and everybody knows that this is what we expect. So it has a lot to do obviously with modest dress, but every bit as much to do with what we wear on our shirts. We don't want people coming in with profanities and that kind of thing uh, on their clothes. And so I'm a fan of a dress code. Nothing too strict is around here. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody would come into the homeschool resource center and go, wow, these guys have a dress code. But I think they would just see kids that were uh, modestly dressed and it's pleasing to the Lord. And so that's what we did here. And you guys can find out actually more information about uh, how to start a homeschool resource center by going to FPHRC and scrolling uh, up to the top, you'll see the resource tab. And then down a little bit from there, you will see how to start your own resource center. And all of our policies and procedures are in that. That book is available for purchase. And uh, a lot of work went into it. So if you're interested in seeing kind of how we do things here, that's a great place to start. Okay, guys, a lot of us are talking about Christmas gifts early this year, and you know that I am totally committed to helping you support companies that are standing for freedom, right? Well, at the top of my list is, you guessed it, MyPillow. You've all helped build MyPillow into an amazing company, and now I'm partnering with them just in time for Christmas. Mike Lindell has an amazing offer for listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast on his standard MyPillows. You will receive a standard MyPillow regularly priced at $69.98 for only $19.98. You will also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products such as MyPillow towels, the mattress topper, my slippers, and so much more. You can get up to 66% off your order. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square to receive Mike's standard MyPillow for just $19.98 or call one 800 447 0541 and use promo code Heidi. MyPillow is made in the USA, comes with a 10-year warranty so you know it's going to last, and a 60-day money-back guarantee so you got nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want, but we need. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-447-0541 and use promo code Heidi, that's H-E-I-D-I, to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Heidi, or call 1-800-447-0541.
A listener in St. Louis, Missouri. Heidi, I have a question regarding the Harry Potter series. I know a lot of Christian families are adamantly opposed to the series because of the magic and wizardry involved, but I don't see how this differs much from the magic in The Lord of the Rings, for instance. I read the series growing up and loved the story, the characters, and the plot. Well, I recently went back and reread the first one before sharing with my children to see if I was missing something, but it seems to be fantasy in my opinion. I suppose I see where some might fear that it could inspire children to get involved in magic or witchcraft, but the good witches and wizards in the books never get their abilities from Satan or demonic powers. And if this was the case, can't we make the same argument for almost any fantasy books that incorporate magic? This series even seems to have a strong tone of morality and good versus evil. Just wanted to see if I'm missing something. All right. So this is what we would call... um, a divisive topic. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what I say because somebody's going to be mad. So I'm just, you know, you guys are getting, I'm just getting ready for you to lob your angry emails at me. But here's how I feel about it. Uh, when I was growing up, there was a game called Dungeons and Dragons. There was a movie series called Star Wars. Many of you are familiar with Star Wars that came out. And later on, obviously, you know, as we got older, we got into Lord of the Rings. Then they made those awesome Lord of the Rings movies, which we probably watched a hundred times. And I agree with you. It is, uh, it falls into the realm of fantasy. And our kids, a couple of our kids have actually read the Harry Potter series. Uh, that she, you know what, say what you will, that woman is a really good author and she's a very good writer. And the stories were, uh, my kids have enjoyed the stories and I took quite a bit of heat for it, but I'll tell you what, uh, none of my kids are practicing witchcraft. They all know the difference between good and evil. And as I read the stories, uh, you know, with my kids, I didn't read all of it just cause, um, well, just because I didn't, but we looked at it, you know, my husband and I looked at it together and, um, one of the scariest things that ever happened was we were watching Lord of the Rings. You guys remember that, uh, the, the scene where the orcs come down off the mountain and that is terrifying. But the good thing that I see, and the same thing was true in the original Star Wars series was that the difference between good and evil was very clearly delineated. It's very difficult. And this is what we would tell our children to, right? These are, this is fantasy. It's uh, pretend, I guess, if you will, obviously witchcraft is wrong on a hundred different levels. Uh, the demonic pursuit of the Bible says have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. And I just don't believe that uh, watching Star Wars or watching uh, the Lord of the Rings or reading Harry Potter was having something to do with the deeds of darkness. And if my kids seem to get confused by that, or if they start doing, you know, hey, I'm interested in worshiping Satan, then we're going to have another, then we're going to have another conversation. So I know that a lot of you are like, what? I can't believe she just said that. But I've talked about this before on the podcast. Teach your children to navigate the things that are in this world. One thing I have noticed, uh, and I've seen this happen over and over and over again, in parents that are just completely freaked out that their children might somehow be exposed to ideologies in the world or might be exposed to things like the Lord of the Rings or like uh, the the magic that you see happening in Harry Potter at the school, the wizard school or whatever it was. And they are so, they are so, um, what's the right word? They lock it down so hard that half the time their kids move out of their house, the first thing they do is want to read those books. And I would just tell your kids, learn to navigate, tell, you know, talk to your kids. I want them to be able to navigate the world when they leave my home. And part of that is learning how to navigate uh, the entertainment industry. And so 
we've had long conversations with our kids about wizardry and witchcraft and all of those things. And they know the difference between a story that was made for fun and the real thing, which is very dangerous and very demonic. And actually I've told you guys, there's, I mean, we don't celebrate Halloween. We have nothing to do with it in our house. I think uh, for lots and lots of reasons, we decided not to go down that road years ago, but as a child, uh, I grew up with a very different perspective of Halloween. I think as I as I gotten older, I just thought, man, I, there's enough darkness in the world. I'm not going to hang a skeleton in my entryway for an entire month. You know, I'd rather put up, you know, fall leaves and acorns and <laughs> things like that around my house. Uh, and that's what we have chosen to do. But I am not the the person who's going to go around screaming and yelling at other people about this. I think we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. The Lord knows your heart. And if it bothers you, and if you guys are like, oh man, that's just not right. Listen to that. All right. Listen to the Holy Spirit because God knows your heart and the way that you should be shepherding and parenting your children. And so you're going to want to continue to pray that he shows you what you're supposed to be doing. And then, um, Trust the Lord to give you the insight and discernment to help your children recognize and know the difference between good and evil, because they're going to see this their entire lives. All right. One more question today. And this one comes from Kendra. Hey, Kendra girl in Minnesota. Hey, Heidi. I was in Portland last week for a conference and enjoyed seeing some of your campaign signs when we drove into Vancouver. Thanks, Kendra. I work for a summer camp where I have been involved since the age of eight. We had camp in 2020 when most camps remained closed. We had camp last year with minimal COVID quote interventions and no cases of the Rona. Now, several individuals on our board are saying that we need to recommend the vaccine for campers and staff and those who aren't vaccinated will have to mitigate the risk by mask wearing and COVID testing. Oh, gee whiz. <sighs> My heart is broken that our board may vote for this, and I am prepared to step down from my position if this happens, and even more heartbreaking to pull my daughter out of the leadership training program she is in and send her to a sister camp to finish the program. It flabbergasts me that this could happen not only with the government, but in a little tiny Christian camp that isn't even being mandated by the government to do this. Have you heard of other organizations that are trying to be, quote, loving, by imposing their own ridiculous mandates. Would you step down in this situation? So Kendra, you already know my answer. Uh, yes. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And you can tell your board, we're talking about a virus at the 99.9% .9 survival rate. The mask is a universal symbol of fear. It does not work. It does not mitigate the risk at all. And what we're doing is we're hurting our children. And the fact that a Christian camp would participate in something like this is the reason I give the church an F for how they have handled COVID. And that's not F for fantastic. All right. It's F for failing. We are supposed to be uh, people of common sense. And listen, I understand, right, that uh, that this is a real that this is a, a real virus and it has definitely impacted my family. I continue to believe we are handling this absolutely wrong. When you saw the Omicron, the variant, you know, on the news for the first time, you know, I saw the symptoms are as follows, runny nose, fever, and body aches. Okay. Runny nose, fever, and body aches. And now there's three cases of that in the United States. This is just madness to me. And when these Christian organizations, when I see churches that have, you know, you have to be vaccinated to attend our church or the vaccinated sit on this side and the unvaccinated sit on that side, it just tells me that this is the spirit of the age. Division, whenever there's this kind of thing, I always tell people, look to the root 
if you want to understand the fruit. If the fruit is rotten, the root is rotten. And the fruit is rotten in this thing. Why? Because it is rotten at the root all the way to its absolute core. This thing is as rotten as rotten can possibly get. And you guys, I mean, we're watching what's happening in the news right? Uh, the, what the White House is saying, I don't know if you guys are watching this, but the White House is saying you that you're very likely soon going to be required to show a vaccination card if you want to travel within the United States. Why? Because of the Omicron, because of this, because of this so-called, you know, this new variant that everybody is so freaked out about. This is wrong. And until the, until people of conscience starts to step up and say, oh no, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm appalled. I'm appalled at the church. You know, the White House saying that now this vaccine requirement is going to be there for domestic travel. It's This is still on the table. What in the ever-loving world is going on? Yeah, so the White House uh, press secretary just last week was asked whether a vaccine requirement would be added for passengers traveling on domestic flights. And she said, and I quote, I would say that nothing is off the table, including domestic travel, noting that there are, quote, some strong protections in place, including the requirement of mask wearing. I just have to laugh. The mask is not helping. If the mask was helping, uh, then they then then they would be able to stop it at the border, right? But you don't stop viruses this way. It's never worked this way in the history of the world. And in, in fact, I think we're making it worse. I think we're prolonging our agony by not allowing uh, the culture to get to herd immunity. And I frankly, at this point, think that the vaccines are probably part of the problem. And so, like I said before, you know, my trust in the the medical establishment as a whole has absolutely been shattered in all of this. And I think that's sad. I, I just, you know, I don't trust them anymore. I see a bunch of greedy people. You know, the hu- it's this is a mix of hubris and greed at this point. And when we've got church organizations and camps that are supposed to be ministering to children who haven't got figured that out yet. Uh, I'd go someplace that wasn't marked by fear. And as far as I'm concerned, that mask is the universal symbol of be afraid, be very afraid. All right, you guys, that's all I've got time for today. And I appreciate your questions. You can keep them coming. You guys send them to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Keep them short and sweet and to the point, And we would love to answer them uh, every chance that we get. All right. Don't forget to send me your Christmas cards. Heidi St. John, care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100, Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. You guys, I hope you have a really great evening and a wonderful weekend. Spend some time with your family. Uh, love your children well. And, you know, if there's anything that uh, we're learning right now, it's that our time here is uh, it's precious. And it's limited. And I want my kids to know when they leave my home, I want my kids to know that I love them. And love for your kids is spelled T-I-M-E. Spend some time with your kids this weekend, you guys. I promise, I promise, I promise you will not regret it. Have a great weekend. And I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.